The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. And a big hello. Welcome back to the program Afternoons with Mike, heard daily here on the Shepherd Radio Network. I have uh, with me again a man who I respect. He is from the west part of Orlando. He leads what's called the Southeastern Food Bank. Mark Anthony was first on this program with me back in the late part of 2019. So it's been about three years. Mm -hmm. Hard to believe, man. Time flies when you're having that kind of fun. Exactly. Welcome back, Mark. Thank you. It is so good to see you. Again, you you are one of those uh, ministers. We call them marketplace ministers around here. You uh, are not in the ministry per se. You're not leading a church, no. uh, you are leading a food bank that is a powerful ministry. It is a 501c3 yes. organization. But what I love about you from a, a biblical standpoint is that you see that whatever a person does, in your case, again, helping people, uh, you see that as a ministry. And what excites you, in addition to seeing people who are hungry, who are food insecure, get food you're more interested, and this is the blessing, about where they are with their walk with God. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I heard it right that over 15,000 people have made professions of faith through Southeastern Food Organization over the years. Is that right? Yes. That's amazing. That's amazing. So take us back, for those that may have missed our earlier broadcasts, Take us back a little bit to that first beginning, the beginning of when that person dropped by, and I think you had a lawn and garden shop. Yes. At that. Tell us that story. So I had, a, I had a man that drove up with his pickup truck, came in my store and said, you know, I don't really believe in God, but I know you're a godly man. And I was given these, these snacks, and um, I don't know what to do with them, but I know that you'll do the right thing with them. So I said, "Oh, okay." And so I took him from his, we took him from his truck and put him in my truck. And then I went to uh, the Winter Garden area and gave Entman snacks freely to everybody. And that was 1989 before we were an official organization. So it began with that one thing. I I, I use the uh, the expression regularly in my life: freely you have received, freely give. So rather than just take those snacks and put them on the shelf in your lawn and garden, you had you had it in your mind that you needed to take these and distribute them. Yeah. What what made that call? What was it going on in your mind that said that would be what I need to do versus just putting these things and stocking your lawn and garden and giving them away? Why that? It would have been a lot easier because it took me a few hours to do that, but you know, I, I receive blessings when I bless people as an individual, as well as, as we do as an organization. So, um, and, and they, and it was giving those people a little bit of hope, maybe through a little bit of food, even mm-hmm. though it wasn't monumental. So was it immediately or was it a, a, a week later? Two oh weeks no, it was later? that afternoon. It was that afternoon. Once it was loaded you, in my truck, I had to go. Oh, yeah. so you went right then. Yeah. All right. Now, how long after that event 
did you get the idea of expanding that kind of outreach and being a distributor of food to the needy? It really started out as the Bread of Life and originally, and we were a program uh, wanting to do uh, God's work in um, Pine Hills, which is unincorporated. Later on in 96, as passing through the area of of uh, Mascot, that God showed me this area, and we were in Mascot 13 years, and that was really the very beginnings of um, of actually, you know, giving it to one-on-one to people. Were the early days of Bread of Life like a food pantry type of thing? Yes, I actually came out of my garage, and we had to laugh about that because it was um, a two-car garage, and it had no car in it. It had a boat, four bikes, uh, four refrigerators. Um, anyhow, and all the product was in there, and Ruth Ann would say, where are you going to put it? And I said, in, in the in the garage. And she, she'd laugh at me, so <laughs> it, it became a little laborious at times, but... We made it. We made it through the time. Yeah. How long did you stay in your garage before you had to expand to a another location? I went from a garage in '91 to um, it was about '95, that we had the shed of life. Shed was a shed behind my old lawnmower shop that had lawnmowers in it. So in there, it was bigger. We can actually put 12 pall- 20 pallets of product in there besides our four freezers. Mm-hmm. So it was the next step. So even in the early days, you were handling some perishable foods then? Yes, perishable, non-perishable. Mm-hmm. And I tell the funny story that we had to screen in that room because um, one day we got from Publix some bins of chocolate. So we took them and put them in the shed overnight. The next day, there were pieces of paper all over the ground. We realized the raccoons came and helped themselves <laughs> and opened all these containers, yeah. all these packages. So we said, we got to do something about this. So we had to, we had to screen them out. Oh, yeah. They'll get into uh, just about every area that uh, you leave out for them to get into. Yeah. Yeah. You have to screen them out. They I... could probably smell the chocolate, too. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Oh, the pesky, pesky raccoons. You know, Mark, uh, I, I really do mean it when I say I love the fact that you're evangelistic in all of your outreaches and that this is something that I know you not only uh, talk about to other people in your work, but you pray about this a whole lot as well. And you get to see people uh, really come to know the Lord through the work of this food bank. But mm-hmm. you also uh, are helping Uh, people who are, again, hungry. And that in itself is a great door opener for sharing the gospel. If you help somebody who's hungry, whose food insufficiency is uh, maybe costing their kids to go to bed hungry at night, that's a great, at times, door opener to Mm -hmm. even their bigger need of, of salvation. But having that immediate need is something that you faithfully reach out for. It is scriptural to leave food, but you know, to give out food. But um, we want to feel like we do the whole the whole job, and you know, at least try to pray with them because everybody, you and me, everybody has needs every day. And as life gets tougher and more complex, we really need each other as people. Mm-hmm. And surely the government's not going to do it for us. <laughs> well, now, I, you just brought up something that was my very next question. I know that you do Southeastern Food Bank 
without governmental uh, kind of control or association with your food bank, right? Correct. Yeah, I answer to God, that's enough. That's right. So whenever it comes in, we give it away, and it's a terrible business model. I tell people, don't do this as a business because <laughs> you don't know when the next money's coming in. But, you know, we do pray a lot, and it is my passion. So, unfortunately, I don't sleep very much. Wow. Now, I know that you have invested a lot of uh, of monies that would be both yours as well as the, that which would be entrusted through donations to you to kind of expand this business and, and the, the, the work that's going on. But with that expansion, uh, there's been a, a growth in how many people you're reaching as well. What was the most, uh, let's say, risky type of thing in the beginning days that you felt, I, I believe God's calling me to buy this? What would that be? I just pray and I don't look at things logically and I know if, if I'm not on track that God will kind of bounce me back to where I need to be. Um, we've had some moments where honestly we didn't know one time we had, I was by myself and I needed some money for the organization and I was praying to God and a man drove up in a pickup truck later and said, I don't know what you're praying about, but he's going to do abundantly more than what you asked for. And I got a check for $12,500. So that was one of my moments of, wow. of God moving. Had some moments like that through the years. That's tremendous. And that went a long way to help you in all of the uh, work that you were had in your heart to do. Yes. Whether we have funds or we don't have funds, you know, we try to be, uh, listen to the, the Holy Spirit and pick up, you know, products so we can help more people. And the more money we have coming in, actually, is you can see through the years, we've had more families being fed and more lives being changed. So it kind of all goes together, honestly. We're just now two days away from Thanksgiving. And I know that this is a very uh, difficult time period of the of the year for a lot of people. People who are uh, depressed, it, it's without a doubt documented in just about every annual of, of uh, counseling that it's going to happen this time of year. I mean, you'd think where Thanksgiving and Christmas would be happy times, but for many people are laid off in this time of year, right before the holidays, and they become food insecure. What uh, what are you seeing happen this year like that with all that's going on with inflation and all of that? So honestly, the numbers are going up. We see it, and that's realistic. You know, um, I tell people I'm not an optimist, I'm not a pessimist, but Real, reality wise, we see it. When you say we going see, up, in from need, what what's the, the the needs are going up? Yeah, so we, like we do a program through our board member in Mascot currently, and that has jumped uh, probably uh, it's six month program, and it's probably jumped fifty percent in the six months. What? Uh, wow! Yeah. So you're half again. The need is half again as much as it was. Yes, in that area, but it is everywhere, everywhere, and it's this cost of doing business. The the fuel, we realistically, we had a year uh, budget, and we, we went through that year budget in May or June of this year. Oh, my because goodness. Because we have three big yeah. trucks, and we have to, we pick up regardless of whether we have funds or don't. Yeah, so that means now, just for those that may not be aware, people don't always just bring food to your food bank. Uh, there the, the has to be picked up from stores like Publix, mm-hmm. other grocery stores that have 
uh, items that they are either donating or are timing out. They're still good, but their protocols, it would be uh, past the date of their normal keeping that product on their shelves. And so rather than just throw it out, they give it to you for dispersal to your people that you have, and that that has to be picked up. So you, that's what you do. Yes. What kind of a what kind of a vehicle do you employ for that? Well, currently we have a semi with three semi trailers, one refrigerated, one for straight, you know, dry pickup. We have a uh, a, a newer truck now that holds fourteen pallets. It's a beast that will hold refrigerated. It'll hold it'll hold uh, basically sixteen tons of of product. And then we do have pickup trucks, but most of that's being hauled. And we have a dry truck also. Dry means not refrigerated. Right, right. That will hold 12 pallets. So the three trucks is what we use. So roughly one pallet of this food, how many families will that serve? Uh, Depending on what the product is, if it's uh, groceries coming in from Publix or Winn-Dixie, you're talking probably minimum of anywhere between about 75 families, I think is will probably be a good... 75 families per pound. I think a good average. It might be more than that. It depends what's in the the product, honestly. So you can see one load of these trucks that holds 12 pallets. You're talking about uh, hundreds and over a thousand family members being served Mm -hmm. by just one truck. Mm -hmm. And you send these trucks out every day? We pick up out every day. And then we have our partners in Central Florida that pick up from us. And we have in the state of Florida, we have several, we call sub-distributors. They take it back to Ocala or Palatka or St. Petersburg or Merritt Island, mm-hmm. uh, Lakeland, Lake Wales, and they give it to all the people in their area. So they pick up from us. Wow. It goes out, friends, this organization. Have any idea on how many people you have fed so far in 2022? Let's see. Um, I know well over... Well, over 200,000 we're a part of, but... Over 200,000 I think people. that's realistic. And that is all age groups included in that, right? Yes. So you've got infants all the way up, and it, it is important to talk about that. You help serve these that are in need, not only with food, but paper goods and things like that that are real essential to just every family's lifestyle. Mm-hmm. We do actually have a program we, we uh, always need more help with, it's a seniors program, and we are in one of four counties once a month. We're going to step it up to two times because seniors are the lost generation. They're, they're being, you know, all, we, we, we help everybody, but I see there's a big need because people in their, eight, let's say in 1985, they said, I'll have 25000 a year coming in for my retirement plus Social Security. But unfortunately, since even the 80s, as you know, the inflation has. Oh, yeah. Oh. you know, has really gone up. If you look at a scale, it has gone way up, um, exceeded more than the average. And this inflation. past year, it's a, it's the biggest jump in many years Yeah, because of inflation, over 8% inflation mm-hmm. just in 2022 alone. So that basically means almost 10% more for everything than what it was one year ago. That's probably right. Yep. Wow, that is amazing. Well, again, we're talking about a quick turn. This is Thanksgiving week for you. You guys are busy. You've got volunteers working for Thanksgiving. And as quick as it's over, everybody goes on a three-month vacation, right? (laughs) 
<laughs> so we start next week uh, regrouping because we only have three weeks to do the program again, uh, Food for Families. Oh, my goodness. And that'll be... Christmas comes quick. It does for us because we have to put it out before Christmas. It gives them yeah. food for the holidays, too. Yeah. What's the biggest blessing when you think about what you're doing? What uh, causes you to smile at nighttime, Mark? People being fed in America is really important. People's lives change. That's a touchdown for me. Mm. And uh, because I'm leaving as a leader, eternal legacy, you know, for people that I never even know that will, not that I'm counting them in heaven, but I know that um, lives change and giving people some, some hope. Hope for a eternity, but hope for now to make it through the yeah. insanity that we're in now. Yeah, It's crazy times right now, isn't mm-hmm. it? Well, what is the greatest need that you have right now as an organization? I know that we need, for our seniors program, we need a, like a 15 or 18-foot refrigerated truck so we can keep refrigerated items. This time of year is not a problem, but in the summer they, the stuff was actually uh, defrosting before we could get it to the, to the people. So that's probably, that's in our face. Uh, we have... In our on our property, we have a bad drainage problem. So somebody that was in that business could put a drains in for us, because we are disaster relief uh, with convoy of hope for hurricanes. And if it floods out, I, I don't know how we're going to function. That has been in my my brain to do that. But you know, mm-hmm. it's all about money. Unfortunately, we just got our roof redone. Uh, we've got uh, a new generator now, so it's getting there. But it just everything costs money. So these are needs, and people can donate both time. As a volunteer, they can donate money uh, to Southeastern Food Bank. And give us the web address, how people can come and uh, go to the web and find you. It's southeasternfoodbank.com. Southeastern spelled out, right? Uh Yes. Southeasternfoodbank.com. Mark Anthony, as always, it's great to see you. Thank you for being with me. Thank you for having uh, me. Here on my program, and we wish you a happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, brother. And we'll be back in just a moment. Don't go away. This is Afternoons with Mike. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years experience, EC Waters is a top trained comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. Call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. Back again now for segment two, and it's a real honor to have in the studio this time I was able to talk to Angela Harris, what, October? Yeah, at the uh, Christian Chamber Expo. Yes. Uh, that was a big event. Yes, it was. And you were down there, part of the Christian Chamber, and uh, got to meet you there. And in the middle of that expo floor, as loud as it was, it's a lot quieter in here, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can, we can hear each other much better than we were able to do that day. In fact, that room got so loud at some point the night before, mm-hmm. I had to just kind of uh, wait a while because it was pretty loud in there. Oh, but wow. uh, Angela is leading uh, an outreach. It's NLT would be the acronym, and it stands for New Life Transitional Home, NTL. Uh, N-L-T-H. Mm-hmm. There you go. That's the acronym for it. New Life Transitional Home. And it is a ministry, and you help me on this, it's a ministry aimed at women to help them transition mm-hmm. from their previous lifestyle. And what that that's is what we're going to be talking about today, because yes. you do a whole bunch of different issues with women that mm-hmm. they might find themselves in. Mm-hmm. So you help them transition and it is a, a home that they come and actually live in for a year. So right now I haven't 
found a home yet, um, but I currently do work in a transition home um, at First Baptist Church of Orlando, Lydia House. Um, but my home is going to be the next step out of Lydia House or any other program that the women have stayed at or a homeless shelter, work release, um, jail or prison. So this is that extended home right. after those um, places of living. So you think of a church plant, a church is already operating and doing all the things that it does, but it wants to expand and grow and it plants out. And that's in a real way what's happening with you. You're going to be then taking what you're already doing mm-hmm. and then uh, this uh, this program, which is a startup nonprofit functionally, right? Yes, absolutely. And you're going to be, and you're looking for a home on that. Can you tell us where it is that you would like to land this ministry? Well, you know, I've been looking for homes. I mean, like every day of the week, um, I'm looking for a place where their drugs are not in your face. You know, um, I don't want my girls to come outside and you know, see the drug dealer on the corner or hearing the gunshots um, every minute of the hour. Um, so I'm just looking for any area where it could be a safe environment. Mm-hmm. That sounds great. Mm-hmm. And there are plenty of mm-hmm. both of those uh, things that you've just described. Yes. And r- really on the on the negative side of that, on that side of town where it is a lot rougher, uh, that, is, that goes across all all areas of the city, really. I mean, there are, they're not just all located in one pocket. Right. And with all that's going on in the world today and with fentanyl, with the serious kind of drug problem that's happening, this is affecting a lot of our culture, isn't it? It is. Um, To be honest with you, I just lost my oldest son from a drug overdose and it had fentanyl in it. Oh, and this so happened sorry. last yeah. year of June. I remember and you telling me that in October. Yes. Yeah. So it is the drug epidemic is so high. And if we don't save these women, if we don't save these men, the children are going to follow the same path. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's even in the good schools. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think there's uh, any area or any uh, strata of our culture that's not being affected by yeah, it. Yeah. It's, it's been affected so much. Um, You know, yeah, it is affected in the good schools. Right. So, and, and this problem that uh, that you're seeing with women in particular, because mm-hmm. that's the focus of what you're doing, you're aiming at women and bringing them through. Would it be predominantly the the lifestyle of drug abuse that most of the people that you're going to be working with would be coming out of? So I am going to target the women that are coming out of prison and jail. 99% of these women have experienced some type of trauma as a child, as an adult. Mm-hmm. And I want to focus on their traumas because the trauma is what led them to the drugs. Mm-hmm. So if I can get to the core of why they were using drugs and it helped them, I think this will change the dynamic of a lot of women that are coming out of jail. Some of these programs, they don't get to the core of the problem. They just put a bandage over the situation. Mm-hmm. They don't take them through the classes. They don't work on, you know, all of the things they went through as a child, as an adult. And an example of that, um, I was sexual abused. I was mentally abused. I was raped. Um, I lost my children. I experienced a lot of anger, codependency. And when I went through this last program at First Baptist, I went through all of those classes 
And that's why now I'm nine years clean wow. because I got to Congratulations. the root. Yeah. I got to the root of the trauma. So that's where I see the problem is in a lot of these programs, these big programs. They just take you through the classes. There's too many women you have to help in one segment, you know. So with New Life, it'll be more intimate to help these ladies because when I got my life together, I was able to go back and get my son. And now my son is into the church. And that was he was missing when he was growing up, not having a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. So my main focus is to make sure with these women that we focus on their trauma, but also help them with their children. When you look back at your own life mm-hmm. and your story, Angela, and you mentioned First Baptist as being the church that has that program, which kudos to them. I mean, that's yes. a wonderful thing that yes. they're doing right there. But what was it and how did it happen uh, that you heard about that particular avenue and that particular program when so many people, I hear this so often, they'll go through this program and then they're right back out on the streets again. They're right back out using drugs. What makes, what made it happen for you in such a way that you are now nine years clean? So prior to meeting my director at at First Baptist Church, I went to jail. And this was in 2014. And I had been crying out to God to please, Lord, deliver me from drugs. I did not know I would have to go back to jail Mm. in order to get clean. I was messing with a young man and he had another girlfriend and we all got into an argument. And we, you know, we just started fighting each other, you know. And I never thought after 25 years of not being in jail that this was going to be the way for me to go to jail. So it wasn't drugs that took you to jail. It was drugs, oh, but it was stuff, but I had a fight with All right, my that's boyfriend. what I mean. It was like a domestic. And, uh, yes. Yeah. And you know, I've always was in an abusive relationship, to be honest with you, but this was the only route that God took me through to get clean and sober. Wow. And I never thought mm-hmm. I would end up in jail, even though I was using drugs, but I never thought that I would have to go to jail to get clean and sober. That's pretty common, that's isn't it? that's the route, Yes. It's, yeah, but I never thought I would get a charge. Yeah. I mean, I'm in that mindset. I mean, I think most people are, they look around and they continue to do things mm-hmm. that they should, they know they shouldn't be doing. Right. I think mean, most people know that what they're doing is right. A, illegal, B, right. dangerous. Mm-hmm. And yet they, there's this notion that so many people can get into like, well, it's not going to be a problem for me. Right. And that's what happened with me. But, you know, as I look back, I thank God that I got that charge, even though I hate, I got a violent charge on my record, but I'm clean today because of that. Wow. So how how long were you in the jail for? I was in there for nine months, nine months, nine months. Now, obviously in that nine months, and I say that, I mean, I think there are instances that have been proven that people do somehow get contraband even inside of jails or prisons. I mean, that has happened before. But in your case, it was a time of cleaning, right? It was a time of cleaning for me. Um, While incarcerated, to be honest with you, I was able to be a big sister in the drug dorm. That's where my healing began. I began to be, you know, the navigator for these classes. Like God was using me then. But I got in trouble with one of the CEOs. She told me to do something and she said I disobeyed her. So I got thrown out of that position and went to general population. Mm. But 
Now I know God had a plan because had I not got in trouble, I never would have met my director from First Baptist Church to know about the Lady House program because my attention was not going to a program once I finished my sentence at the jail. So that uh, that introduction happened in the general, pop- general population. In general population. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't believe that I got in trouble while I was in there for disobeying because this CEO was a Christian. She used to talk about the Bible to me all the time, but this particular day, I don't know how it happened. I just know it was God because if I hadn't got thrown out of that sit, out of that pod, that that unit, pod, yeah, uh huh, I would have never met my director, whom I met, and I went to her program. Wow! So I, I just see how God, it was just God in all of this. Now, having been inside the jail for that long. We hear the stories of people who are there. I, I know I've done some jail ministry, and uh, for years I did the juvenile detention center going on Sunday afternoons and having like a service uh, for these young kids. They are pretty, pretty, I'd say blocked up. Their hearts are often very closed. They Sometimes you can't even get a smile out of people. Uh, what was it like for you being in general population with you had already mentioned you'd been praying even before you went to jail the first time, mm-hmm. wanting to get free from the drugs. So you had some knowledge. What was it like for you? Did you feel blocked up? Did you feel locked away? Or were was your heart an open door? I was walking with God. Okay. I knew that once I got arrested, this was God's plan. So I my Isn't heart, that interesting? My heart was open because this was a chance for me to get clean and sober. My, I was out on drugs for 28 years of my life off and on. Mm-hmm. So I knew God had answered my prayers because there were many times that God gave me opportunities to get clean. But I didn't realize the reason why I couldn't get clean was because of the trauma. I didn't know how to deal with those emotions. Mm-hmm. So when I went to jail, it was like it was a new beginning. Um, like I said, I was a big sister in the dorm. And that when I started um, doing my classes and being the overseer of these classes, I started to learn about triggers, traumas, codependency, and so many other elements that's, that caused me to stay on drugs. And so I was open. I was like, thank you, Jesus. Like, you're showing me why I couldn't stay clean because I had a bandage over all of the pain and trauma that I endured as a child. You know, I heard a great illustration one time, Angela, about that very kind of thing. When you have a a warning light on a car, if you take a Mm Band-Aid and you put it over that warning light, you don't see the warning light anymore. That's right. That's right. But that problem is still there at the root. It's still there. And so I just remember, you know, just being on drugs for all those years. Like the biggest thing that I had to endure was leaving all of my three kids. Hmm. How could a woman or a mom, you know, be out here on the streets and their children are suffering because you're out using? So I couldn't adapt to that. That was the worst feeling. Every time I used to get high on drugs, I used to always cry because I left my kids, Mm -hmm. you know. And so now today when I look back, I'm like, I just thank God for allowing me to go to jail. Because, oh, yeah. yes, I, I do. That will save me. So, How long ago was it that you lost your son? It's been a year, June the mm. 6th. And so was that a, uh, like for him, the time that he took those drugs that killed him? I mean, fentanyl is, it's taking people out all the time, it seems. Right. So 
out of all of my three boys, my oldest son, Pierre, that's in heaven right now, he suffered the most mentally. Um, you know, being in a home that I was raised in, he was mentally abused. He was bullied. He was even sexually assaulted as well as a mm. child. So growing up in that type of mindset and environment, those demonic strongholds carried over to an adult. Because he didn't get the help, just like me when I was growing up, mm-hmm. um, he started using drugs. Now, he was like me, off and on, would get clean, go back. Right. Get clean it's a, and a go common back. tale, isn't it, it? Yeah, it was like, you know, the same thing I went down. Unfortunately, this last time that he used, because he drove um, tractor trailers, had a good job. And when, every time he would come back to Orlando, Florida, he would get around the wrong crowd of people. And he took Xanax, which is a pill, a downer, and it had fentanyl yeah. in it. One hit, they say. Yes. Yeah, it can had be. fentanyl in and it was, fatal. Most, it was the most devastating thing I had to ever endure mm. out of all the rape that I experienced, mm. all the molestation. Losing my son to drugs was the most horrific thing because I felt like I was a part of why he went down this road because I was an absent mom. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm so into getting these women help because it's the children that suffers. It's the kids. Mm-hmm that suffers the most. They so really do. They do. They yeah. can, yeah, they do. They can be with their mom. I mean, their grandmothers, their uncles, but it's nothing like being with your mom. Right. So we want to, I want to stop. What kind of impact did it have on your other kids? Your other boys? Well, my middle son was raised by his grandmother and he was raised in a Christian home. So he wasn't so much impacted by me not being there because his grandmother had him into the church. Um, he did feel a little um, discomforting of me not being mm-hmm. there. My youngest boy wasn't raised to know that my cousin who raised him was his mom. So he didn't really have that relationship or missing me because he wasn't raised to know that I was his mom. Isn't that something? Now, mm-hmm. is that the case today or is is he now aware? Yeah, he's aware. Okay. Um, I've had him now for five years and he's walking with God. Oh, that's um, wonderful. Pastor David of First Baptist is his mentor. Is one of his mentors. Mm-hmm. And now he's also in another mentorship called Boys to Men. So having those type of mentors keeps him balanced. And that's the hope that you're wanting this home once you find the house. And again, you're already working in the ministry through the church there. Yes, I am. And, and really facilitating and helping these ladies that are part of that program, but your vision and dream for this startup, Mm -hmm. uh, do you have a date in mind or is it going to be contingent on getting the house first? So I have in mind to try to purchase the home in December or no later than January and get it started up in Mm -hmm. February. Okay. Um, You know, the prices of these homes are going up. And down, so is, yeah, and mortgages. So, uh, yeah. yeah. So if I don't get a home now, at least before the new year, I feel like I'm going to, yeah. you know, get ground in those high prices. Well, so, we're praying for you on yes. that. We're going to take a quick break. My okay. guest is Angela Harris, New Life Transitional Home. And we'll be back with her right after the break. This is Afternoons with Mike, and you're on The Shepherd. Turning 65 or already on Medicare? Have you tried to compare Medicare supplement plans? 
Are you sick and tired of the awful TV commercials where washed-up football players confuse you even more? Speak with a licensed independent insurance agent today. Call 407-965-4166 now. Or visit Affordable One Insurance in Winter Park, Florida, and discuss what is important for you. Be sure to ask us about dedicated senior medical centers. Really enjoying our chat today with Angela Harris. Angela has uh, starting up a new nonprofit called New Life Transitional Home for women who are coming out of some of these just sad stories, really, truly sad stories that we hear about so often. And uh, you, uh, your website is really good. You've got a lot of helpful things that just at a quick glance, people can read them mm-hmm. and see some of the, the reason, some of the heart that is behind your own story, mm-hmm. which you've shared a little bit about already. You said something that really spoke to me, and I want to handle that first. And that was the fact that prior to that last visit to jail, you never thought you'd go to jail. Uh, prior to that visit where you first were in this program and you were helping all of these ladies mm-hmm. while you're there, and then you are shipped off to general population, mm-hmm. which looked bad in the beginning, but turned out to be a wonderful blessing for you. Absolutely. Uh, prior to that, you had mentioned that you were in and out of the drug scene. And I think that the cha- the, the reason that people are are in that kind of scenario is why they continue to be open to more deadly drugs Mm -hmm. uh, and ultimately to what's happening now with people think they're taking uh, a pill that is safe and, and kind of uh, maybe pharmacy grade. And they're Mm -hmm. finding out that this thing was cooked That's right right here, maybe in the good old U S of a, Mm -hmm. it was cooked by people who are adding fentanyl to it. And one, one dose of that pill and you're gone. Forever. I mean, the death is there. It's there. Yeah. They're mixing all these drugs with chemicals and, you know, it's, it's, it's horrific the way that they're making these drugs today. It wasn't like when I was using crack cocaine, but this meth and all of these other drugs is killing them every day. You know, you you can look on TV and especially up in Philadelphia, these people are walking like zombies and they're walking like zombies here in Orlando. Wow. So yeah, so it, it's bad. So your website has these uh, this breakdown. I want to go through it real quick. Okay. 94% suffer of the women that you're reaching out to. Mm-hmm. They suffer from a history of physical or sexual abuse. Absolutely. And that would be true for you. Absolutely. Yeah. You would be one of those in I that category. Mm-hmm. 70% of the women struggle ongoing ways mm-hmm. with substance use disorder. That's SUD. Mm-hmm. I've never heard the acronym used for that, <laughs> but I've known about substance abuse. Yes, absolutely. 84% relapse. The recidivism rate mm-hmm. is high. They relapse within one year yes. of, of a recovery program. Yes. because and, yeah. and some of them are in that recovery program multiple times. Absolutely. Because I went through about eight different programs. And now when I look back, I can see why I didn't stay clean. It's too many residents with one person that's running the whole group. Mm -hmm. Then the group does not get to the core of the problem. The core of the problem is you experience, like I said before, rape. If you don't go through those classes to get over that, you will go back because those emotions come up. Mm-hmm. If you don't go through those classes of being mental abuse, 
when you hear a teacher or your boss fussing at you, it's going to take you back to those feelings and you're going to want to go use. So if you don't get to the root, which is, it's very hard to go through those emotions, but it will save your life years to come. You know, what you're talking about is the need for discipleship. Absolutely. It's just the basic need. That is Jesus. That's right. And taking you back to the gospel and realizing that the only way that anyone, regardless of what kind of problem it is, whether it is substance abuse or whether it is the memories that come from being physically abused or sexually abused, the only hope we have for a new mind is Jesus, is the Lord, because only he can change our hearts and our minds. That's right. And that's why when I went to Lydia House, which is a faith based program. That's how I got clean. Mm. So there's not too many homes here in Orlando, Florida that are faith based, Mm -hmm. especially the second home, the second step homes. What, what I'm sorry, which what I have. So that's why it's so important to open up a faith based home because Jesus is the only way. And so these women that are coming out of these other programs, a year down the line, they're bound to relapse. Mm -hmm. They're bound because they're not implementing God into their everyday lives. Well, the statistics make that very clear. 84% of women who have gone through one program or another are going to be back within a certain amount of time. They're going to be back. And it's the truth. My number one goal is to make sure they have a relationship with Jesus. Now, you, there's one other stat that you've got on this website mm-hmm. that f- was shocking to me, mm-hmm. and that is the amount of increase of females going to prison. Absolutely. That figure is 700% increase. Yes, and that's because of the drugs. That's because of sex trafficking. When is this being compared back to? Uh, this this number is in the 80s. So se- since 1980s, there's been a 700 percent yes, growth all over the world. You, you're looking at the world. Oh, my. You're goodness. looking at like these women and especially the men. Mm. When they're on drugs, they're committing crimes. See, drugs make you commit crimes. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to commit crimes because you want to keep that high going. And then you're listening to all this devil worshiping music. So it just keeps you that same pattern in and out of jail. Because when you get high, the music you listen to, it's going to make you want to do bad things. Yeah. Because you're already hurting. You're already, you know, going through life um, triumphs. So when you listen to that music, it makes you go do things to put you in jail. It's just like a downward vicious cycle. It is. It is. Yeah, so, we're, we're spiraling downward. Yes. And the more you do these things, I, I had this thought this morning, even uh, getting ready at the, the old saying that if you keep on doing what you're doing, you're going to have a whole lot more of what you've got. Exactly. <laughs> I, <laughs> I like love that. that. I love I that love phrase. That. Peter yes. Lord was the first person. He was a Baptist uh, uh, pastor that God used so mightily. Um, he he was a, a believer in mm-hmm. that, and he... I, I don't know if he coined that phrase, but when he said it, I heard him quote it. He was the first person I ever heard say it. Mm-hmm. If we keep doing what we're already doing, it just stands to reason we're going to have more of the same. Yeah. More I of mean, what we've got. And for me, as I look outside these doors, why 
aren't we making a change in our communities? Aren't these business owners tired of seeing these homeless people inside in front of their places of business? So let's come together, especially our Christian community, and let's get these people some help. I'm convinced that the gospel is the answer for all of exactly. these things. And yet we, we can see that when you have a culture t- trying to take God as rapidly and as effectively as they right. can out of schools and trying to replace it. That's and, the problem. Yeah, I mean, the, the, here we go. We've got kids that can't be taught about the Bible, but they can be taught by a, a drag queen exactly. reading a story to them. Now, really? Am I the only one that's thinking... This is nuts. Our kids are no, going to be. Of course not. Of course not. Of I know course that. Not. Yeah, that's not right. Not as a believer. We see how the yeah. enemy is all up in these schools, everywhere, trying to take the kingdom of God down. Yeah. So we have to stand firm so we can take back. So these. so let it be said, the only hope that we have is mm-hmm. going to be found in the gospel of Jesus. That's it. And through the very practical type of programs. That's right. That churches are doing that's applying the gospel of that's Jesus right. to, to lives mm-hmm. like yours. Yeah. So that's, I desperately just want to know, let all the people of these churches know how important it is for us to pull together to start helping these lost souls especially the ones that are suffering from addiction from mental illness mm-hmm. whose children are suffering. Right. You know, let's make more programs like new life so we can start, you know, bringing them back to Jesus. I, I know the people at first Baptist are excited about what you're doing. They are, they are. Um, yes, they are. They're helping me getting started up. Um, but it's just not enough. You know, I, I need more help. Well, we know that you need the house. That's mm-hmm. number one thing that mm-hmm. you have a need of. Uh, tell us a little bit about other ways that either people can contribute right. or maybe they can volunteer. Mm-hmm. Tell us what they can do. So right now I'm looking for sponsors for a girl. Um, they can sponsor their hygiene package. They can sponsor paying their rent. They can sponsor being a mentor. You know, they can sponsor just giving them um, some Christian help. Mm-hmm. You know, um, also I'm looking for volunteers to help do fundraising for these girls to keep this program going. Cause it does cause, mm-hmm. you know, um, I'm looking for someone to be a monthly donor. I mean, 10, $20 a month would help save a life. Yeah. So, I was going to suggest that right. it doesn't mean that they have to pay their entire rent. No, they don't, but they get $10 a month yeah. just towards the rent, the light bill, um, getting food in the home, um, hygiene, you know, it can contribute to, you know, anything in the home. So, and your target desire, mm-hmm. like what you've got out there in your prayer list is by, by, uh, February, you're going to be able to crank this house up and get it going. Yes. In February. So I'm looking for donations of twin beds, you know, clothing, bedding, any furniture that can fill this house up. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah, because it takes a lot. It takes a lot, yeah, so that's what to, I'm looking for. You need yeah. to have a uh, a new home shower. Yes, that's, oh, I love that. Yes, <laughs> I love can, that. Where you can have a party and oh invite gosh, people over. Oh just and, gave me an idea. Well, good. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. I love it. Yeah, just yes. like a housewarming a gift housewarming, yes, for, for new the new life. Yes. Well, that would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. Uh, Angela's website is called Home. Dot O-R-G. Yes. That stands for New Life Transitional Home.org. That's NLT Home.org.
So in addition to the website, Angela, give, uh, I know you would like to give folks your email address too. Yes, yes. So that email is Angela, A-N-G-E-L-A at nlthome.org. Once again, it's Angela at nlthome.org. And my phone number is 407-421-1851. Your philosophy, you've got this listed down here for when this thing gets up and cranking. It's going to be starting with safe, stable, Mm -hmm. and supportive housing. So uh, you find and you found that the success of having an environment that is supportive, that is healthy, that is uh, offering accountability mm-hmm. and really keeping them safe from falling into the traps of, of going back into that lifestyle. Yes, That's yes. really critical, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is. It is. Like I said, I've been down that road for 28 years. Yeah. So I know that Jesus has given me the blueprint. I'm sorry, the blueprint of staying clean and where to help these women at. Wow. And I just want to be used to help these lost souls. And thanks, thanks be to God for Pastor David Youth. Yes. And First Baptist Orlando. Yes. I love my church. Um, If it wasn't for First Baptist, I would not be here today. Mm. I would not be here. So I thank God for them coming beside me with new life. But obviously I still need more, right. you know, so. Yeah. Well, and our listeners can be a help to Angela. Again, that website is nlthome.org. Mm-hmm. And Angela, you know, I, I know you're excited about what's going on as you see these young men. I know the pain that you're still going through. Mm-hmm. You've just crossed a year mm-hmm. with losing your other son. Yes. Your third, your oldest. My oldest son. Your oldest son. Yes. son. That's painful. It's unimaginable. But, you know, God uses even these times and the pain of those occurrences. He uses right. them mm-hmm. in our life, and that's what he's doing with yours. Yes, yes. I, I commend you for how you're continuing to fight the fight yes, and to you. live the faith of Jesus out. Yes, thank and you. We're praying for you. Thank you. Friends, we'll see you next time right here on our program, Afternoons with Mike, on the Shepherd Radio Network.